Welcome to another edition of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I am Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. And we've got some great stories to share with you from our March event when the theme was trust. The story you're about to hear was told by Sarah Sumner. She came to Durango, Colorado for the summer of 1979 and never left. She loves her friends and family, everything local, the mountains and the desert, yoga, meditation, and most of all, sunsets and sunrises. She is an artist at heart and loves to paint during those sunrises and sunsets, and she lives by her favorite quote, life is not measured by the number of breaths you take, but by the moments that take your breath away. Here is Sarah's story. I have literally struggled for decades in telling this story, and now it's time. There's many ways to start it. I could say, when, my, <clears throat> when I was 12, my parents joined a cult. I could say that when I was 14, I spent a day with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. I could also say that I absolutely hate cockroaches, basements, and grits. I think I'll start there. <laughs> I was born in 1959. I was the second of what would be four children. I lived a very sheltered and privileged life in a small town in Iowa. My dad was an attorney. My mom was stay at home. And we skied on the weekends in the winter and went to the family cabin in the summer and raced sailboats. When I was in fifth grade, my parents started taking classes with an organization called the Ecumenical Institute, also known as the Order. My well-meaning, loving, kind, and pretty naive parents got very sucked into this organization, and they gave away their power. When they announced to us that they were selling everything and moving us into one of their religious houses, which is a commune, a commune my brothers were four and six, I was 12, and my sister was uh, 13. So we sold everything, packed our bags, I probably had one suitcase, and off we went, and we lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We moved into a big old three-story run-down house with 20 complete strangers. And that was the year I learned to hate cockroaches. For the house was infested with them. Their, our cockroach mitigation plan was simple. You go in the kitchen, stomp your feet, turn the light on, and watch hundreds, if not thousands, of cockroaches scattering across the kitchen floor into the deep recesses of the kitchen cabinets. My sister and I were sent to the nearby, uh, within walking distance, public school. You need to know this was inner city Milwaukee in 1971, in a time of extremely high racial tension throughout the United States. And my sister and I were a 2% white minority in a building uh, 6th through 12th grade of mostly African Americans and some Puerto Ricans, and basically my sister and I. I was so afraid to go to school every day that year. I was pushed against lockers, 
told names I had never heard of before, chased home from school, everything presented to me in my class I had learned in fifth or sixth grade. I rarely really had time with my family. We only really spent time alone with my family on Sunday afternoons during structured family time. I survived that year because a girl in my homeroom named Beatrice took me under her wing and provided some cushion from all that. At the end of that year, my parents announced they were staying in the order and things went from bad to worse. You see, the leader of this organization had a 13-year-old son he couldn't handle. And so he made a proclamation that all 13-year-olds had to live away from their parents and their siblings to go through their own rite of passage in another religious house with other complete strangers in another city, usually a state in a different state and sometimes a different country. And my sister and I were no exception. To my parents' credit, they fought hard to have my sister and I put in a school system that was better than the one we had just endured. They fought hard to have us put together in the same religious house. So off to Toronto, Ontario, we went. We moved into another big old house with 16 total strangers. And that was the year I learned to hate basements. As that man was choking me and pushing my head back into the cold, damp earth of that back basement room. He told me that if I said anything about what he had done to me, he would kill me. And I believed him in every cell of my terrified body. Soon after I got a haircut into the world's, <clears throat> I got a, the world's ugliest haircut called the shag. <laughs> it was pretty bad. And as my hair was cut, so too was that experience cut from my conscious memory and buried deep into my psyche for the next 20 years. The way I survived that year was my school. I loved that school. I put my heart and soul into it, and it was incredible. I took advanced classes. I was uh, in the synchronized swimming team. I was the Blue Fairy in the musical Pinocchio. At the end of that year, my heart, I, I did everything I could not to have to go home at night. At the end of that year, my hard work was rewarded, and I was given an award for the best girl of that middle school, eighth grade class, something I always thought was kind of strange because I was an American, and to this day, I wonder what they thought about me in my home life. My parents really were missing us then, and so they took my sister and I on a trip that was being sponsored by the order with 46 other people and my parents and sister and I, we went on a trip around the world, 13 inner cities in 30 days. One of those days, I'll never forget, we were in Calcutta. The noise, the smells, the people spitting this red juice out, rickshaws, beggars on every corner chasing me down. Um, we spent a day with Mother Teresa, and she gave us a tour of where they lived and worshipped every morning at 4.30 in the morning. 
We saw the orphanage where 300 kids lived and they had just taken a baby from the railroad station that morning. And we visited the House of the Dying, which was a big old warehouse room with a concrete floor full of cots where they literally take people off the streets that are dying and gave them a bed to die with dignity, with food and water and clean sheets and probably lots of chai. Well, right before my ninth grade year, there was another proclamation made by that leader. You see, the kids were starting to rumble and cause trouble without their parents in all these communes. And so they stuck all the seventh, eighth, and ninth graders to, to live together in what they called a student house. So off to Chicago, I went with 65 other kids to live on the seventh floor of the Kemper Insurance Building office. It was the old Kemper Insurance Building, which was the headquarters at that time. And that was the year I learned to hate grits because that was what we were fed every morning for breakfast with reconstituted dried milk powder and day-old pastries wrapped in cellophane from vending machines that had been donated. I went to another sub-rate school. I saw frequent riots between the Puerto Ricans and the African Americans. I was medically neglected and I was severely ill and not taken to the doctor. I was literally cared for by college kids and everything I had was being stolen from me by those other kids in the student house. My saving grace that year was I started speaking out about how bad the conditions were. And my parents listened, and long story short, they eventually pulled us all out because they were becoming unbrainwashed, I guess, and disillusioned. And I finished my high school years in, in um, Minneapolis. Fast forward to 1993. I'm pregnant with my second daughter. We live in a big old house in Durango with a big old basement. And I hated going down there, and I didn't know why. I also started having experiences of extreme rage I couldn't explain. And at the same time, the memories of what had happened to me in Toronto came flooding back. It's been a long journey of healing and back to my own true nature. I've learned to forgive my parents, and they admit they were naive, and they made mistakes, and they've had to pay dearly for that. I love them dearly to this day, and we are very close. I've had to learn to open wide the door to all those various aspects of Sarah that were abused, neglected, abandoned, and raped. I've had to welcome each of those Sarahs into my home of my heart and listen to their stories. I've had to be with the energy in my body as it rose and love it with compassion and kindness as it needed to tell its own story to be released. I had to go into that basement in Toronto and pick that Sarah up and carry her up the stairs and hold her like she is my own child. Fast forward to December 2014. I had just finished a week-long yoga meditation retreat outside of Rishikesh, India. I was in a Hindi temple high in the Himalayas and sitting in front of the statue of the god Ganesh. Ganesh has that elephant head and his energy stands for remover of obstacles. 
as I was sitting there just meditating, pretty, feeling pretty good and pretty clear and pretty strong from that week, I literally felt uh, some energy just come into my body and literally push me back. I almost fell over. It was so strong. And at the same time, I heard a voice say, Sarah, what really do you have to be afraid of? And in that moment, every cell in my body started vibrating, and I started laughing, and I started crying, and I said, nothing. I have nothing to be afraid of because fear, fear is only in my mind. And now, I trust every breath I take to bring me into the present moment. I trust my heart to always tell the truth. I trust the earth that I walk on to keep me grounded and healed. I trust my family and my friends and my community to always have my back and support me. And I know I am, I am never alone. I am never alone. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, so much for sharing that story with us. To pitch your own story or hear more about other stories or information about the Raven Narratives, you can check out our website at ravennarratives.org. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Share these stories with your friends and uh, just listen more. Yeah. yeah. You know, I ran into Sarah at the grocery store just recently, and she talked about how transformational telling oh, that story awesome. was. Yeah, it was so powerful. If you want to check out Sarah in person, well, as in person sort as of. you could get. Do you want, aren't you curious to see what she looks like? Yeah, you can go to our amazing photo gallery at the Raven Narratives website. Uh, thanks to McCarson Jones of Red Scarf Shots Photography. She captures our storytellers in their essence and their beauty uh, in black and white portraiture. If you want to check out McCarson's work, you can go to redscarfshots.com um, and check out her website. Well worth the time. She's an amazing photographer. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org. Better yet, just stop by mm, Corner Market in Maine. Tom is You know what here. I really like? Hmm. Is when people sneak up on me. Yeah. <laughs> Scare him. <laughs> he's usually wearing headphones because he's <laughs> editing something. So it's a perfect time. Yeah. <laughs>